0: What's beneath the surface of true crime? Uncover brings you there with premium investigations that demand justice. Each season delves into a distinct case, from the inner workings of a cult to the disturbing legacy of residential schools. Promising new content year-round, Uncover will take you on a journey through explosive revelations with hosts dedicated to revealing the truth. Uncover, the best in true crime. Find it on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hello, I'm Matt Galloway and this is The Current Podcast.
1: No need for a boarding pass, no need for a passport. It's basically your face is the passport.
0: You might think that that sounds like the future, but in airports around the world, it turns out that future is already here.
1: So you go through this tunnel, and then if it's green, that means you're registered and you're identified and you're all good to go. However, if it's red, you will be stopped and we'll have to figure out why.
0: Emirates Airlines in Dubai is installing a biometric system that lets passengers through airport security just by showing their face. And this is an idea that is gaining traction. Germany's Frankfurt Airport already has a version, as do many Chinese airports. And Air Canada is now testing out this technology. A biometric program in the United States aims to cover all international airports in the next two years. John Graddock is a faculty lecturer in Supply Networks and Aviation Management at McGill University. John, good morning.
2: Good morning, Matt.
0: Help me understand this. How do these biometric systems work?
2: Well, what they do is that they have a record of you as a air traveler in their files, somewhere, somewhere deep in the bowels of uh, data collection. Uh, and it's, you have a record in terms of your travel patterns and your passports and your customs declarations and all of the things associated with travel. And as you go through an airport, they, bet, they, bet, they check your facial recognition data. Match it against what's on record. And if you are a good a match to the uh, systems that are currently in place, you get that green light that your uh, guest was mentioning earlier. And you are clear to go through all of the processes in the airport that have queues or people inter- people that are checking your passports mm. or your boarding pass or your baggage or anything else—all of that is cleared.
0: So all of your information is scanned in, and then when they scan your face, they match that up with whatever's on file. And if you're good to go, you're good to go. Yep, That's the way it is. Why? Why is this out there now? What's the impetus behind this? This kind of screening? as you understand <clears throat> it?
2: A couple of things. There's, a, there's, a, there's, you know, one is is convenience, and you know, and reducing the congestion at airports. Airports are getting busy, as you can appreciate. And most of that busyness is really queuing, and you have passengers queuing in front of check-in counters. You have passengers queuing in front of baggage drop-offs. You have queuing at security queuing queuing at customs. So there's a lot of queuing, a lot of waiting going on, and that requires an infrastructure, and that requires people, you know, staff to to handle those queues. If you can eliminate those queues and process passengers so that the passenger has very little stoppage. Along the way, going through the airport, maybe just duty free or the bathroom or maybe your cup of Starbucks, mm. um, you know, that's fine. But the airport knows who you are, where you are through this whole journey and they track you through the airport. And so that, you know, if you're late to board your flight, they know where you are in the airport's infrastructure uh, and they can basically target you very quickly with messaging saying, please get your butt over here and get on the plane because you're late. Presumably airlines can also, I mean, because airlines like money, they could
0: figure out a way to use this to save money, right?
2: Yes. And, you know, that's the whole point. So when you're talking about, you know, biometrics and how biometrics are being used, particularly at the the gate area when you have all of that congestion at the gate and you have those queues at the gate um, and you have people checking passports or driver's licenses or stuff like that, that's all done by people today with some technology. Uh, the objective is to basically reduce the number of people at the airport. There'll be fewer people paid to do that work. Correct. Have you ever tried this? Yes, sir. I did. Uh, it was about seven years ago, six or seven years ago oh. in St. Martin. St. Martin was, the, was really the, the pilot um, that was sponsored by a number of industry uh, standards, uh, IATA and CETA and a few others. Uh, and it was this, the tunnel technology that Dubai has implemented today. It was prototyped. And it was an interesting con- concept. Is you Kind of strange. You walk through a tunnel to go through it. And uh, it takes about 30 seconds to go through it. And at the end of the tunnel, you get the light, the green or the red light. And away you go.
0: What did you think of it?
2: I mean, it, as I said at the beginning, it sounds like
0: something out of the future. But what did you think of it when you were going through? Were you at all concerned about this?
2: I was. I was, you know, I, and me being an aviation geek, uh, you know, I, I used to be able to go through an airport fairly quickly prior to 9-11. Uh, where I would get to the airport, park the car, and then run through the airport to get to my flight. And I could make it in about 15 or 20 minutes from the time I leave my car to mm-hmm. the time I get on an airplane. 9-11 stopped all that. And now I think people, you know, are, are saying, you know, what is it that we can do? We haven't changed much since 9-11, by the way, uh, in terms of processing. Probably even got a bit more tedious. But, you know, people yearn for the fact that, you know, airports are not, you know, are, are not our favorite places to hang out. Um, and we'd like to spend as little time as we possibly can at an airport. We'd rather get on an airplane rather than sit around airport. So whatever it takes to basically ex- expedite the process at the airport is something that uh, should be of value to passengers.
0: How solid do you think this is? I mean, if somebody looks at my passport, they see my photo, <laughs> they look at me. Usually I tend to look like the person who's in the photo. I get waved through. Is it easy, as you understand it, to... to to trick these sorts of systems, to play with the, the 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 fundamentals of these sorts of systems.
2: Well, that's the that's the danger, and that's the, and that's the concern that everybody has in terms of of taking this technology and moving into the next level. And that's why it's it's taken so long. Remember, my Saint Martin experience was seven years ago, uh, and Canada's rolling Air Canada's rolling it out in twenty twenty four. So it's 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 a long process to get sure to make sure you get all the kinks out of it uh and and the, and the primary consideration for this technology is of course security uh and you want to make sure that you know the anybody who's a you know so-called bad actor uh who shouldn't be in an airport or who shouldn't be on an airplane is in fact uh weeded out you know, way before they even get into the airport community so that's what the whole process is all about to basically look at scanning billions of pieces of information about you and making sure you are who you say you are and biometrics and facial recognition is probably the technology that has been evolved now that kind of provides that level of assurance that you are who you are mm-hmm. and this is what this is your track record.
0: Just before I let you go, look into your crystal ball. Five years down the road, how common do you think these sorts of systems
2: will be? Commonplace. It'll be as commonplace as the escalator or the moving sidewalk. As commonplace the
0: as the escalator. Yep. Mm-hmm. Really? It'll, oh yeah, it'll be there. We're going to talk about the pushback to this in a moment. You don't think people are going to say, come on, you're going to scan my face? Are you, are you serious?
2: That's what they're, you know, remember Minority Report. Remember the movie? (laughs) The movie. (laughs) 2002, science fiction. And, you know, and that was, you know, the future is now. And that technology has evolved significantly. And so we are, we are at the cusp, you know, the bleeding edge. Of facial recognition it is there now if you you go on the subway mm-hmm. you, you know you, you go everywhere facial recognition is an accepted method of security and uh, it's just migrating to the airport john we'll leave it there good to talk to you as always thank you very much
0: all right man have a great one and you john Graddock is a faculty lecturer in supply networks and aviation management also an aviation geek as you heard and he is a professor at mcgill university in montreal Brenda McPhail is founder of the Right to Your Face Coalition. She has long advocated for Canada to modernize its privacy laws. She's director of the Executive Education Public Policy Digital Society Program at McMaster University. Brenda, good morning to you. Good morning. Your organization has said that this technology is deeply flawed, highly invasive, and its known social harms outweigh its potential benefits. That's a pretty blanket statement that you're not particularly (laughs) supportive of this what is your biggest concern when it comes to facial recognition technology biometrics at airports
1: i think the biggest concern is precisely the scenario that your previous guest outlined that this will become as common as elevators that it will become ubiquitous in society and that the risks that it carries will be then embedded in all the public and quasi-public spaces that we walk through every day
0: what's wrong with that
1: so, facial recognition technology um, uses our face, a biometric, something that's irrevocably tied to us that we can't really change um, to determine who we are. It works by having cameras, often CCTV cameras, that are basically just part of the infrastructure for us now. They've been around for so long that we don't think about them. Facial recognition supercharges those cameras by running analytics behind the scenes. Uh, so it's a technology that we um, don't know a lot about. Most normal people don't really know how it works or what the risks are, mm. what the benefits are. It runs covertly behind the scenes, often. Um, and it has sort of notable flaws in relation to accuracy. And the accuracy, those flaws in particular, um, are pointed towards equity-seeking communities. So people of color, women, uh, to slgptq plus people, people who are older, people who are younger, individuals with physical disabilities. So acute, you know, the big spectrum of equity deserving groups who are already impacted by systemic forms of oppression who um, are most subject to mistakes by this technology.
0: The way that this is rolling out here in Canada is that Air Canada is piloting this in the Vancouver airport and in Toronto at one of its lounges. And thus far, it's voluntary. And the airline says that the photos will be encrypted and deleted in 36 hours. What's wrong with that? I mean, they're not hanging on to the photos. It's not like the images that, that they would be taking as you enter those lounges or as perhaps you board one of the planes are going to be stored forever.
1: Yeah. And I mean, this kind of program with facial recognition technology is, is really the thin edge of a wedge. It's voluntary. Uh, We all know that when voluntary programs become very successful they're more likely to become mandatory. We also know that if you don't volunteer to provide extra information that might make you suspect, that might subject you to additional screening, make somebody wonder why you don't want to participate in that program. Um, The other issue is that um, that kind of one-to-one matching that our Canada is using is arguably the least intrusive form of facial recognition um, but once we become used to using our faces as a form of identification, it's very likely to be a slippery slope.
0: Why is your face any different than, than a fingerprint?
1: Well, it's not. But if you were walking through an airport, would you consent to run your finger along a railing as you walked so that your fingerprint could allow you yourself to be tracked mm-hmm. at every location as you walk through a terminal? If you're crossing a street, moving it out into the public sphere, would you be happy... Um, giving your fingerprint to be allowed uh, at every crossing. But this
0: isn't in the public spirit. This is in in, in an airport. And the point of the airport is, I mean, you're not hanging, some people might, but you're not hanging out in the (laughs) airport. You're moving from place to place. And so when I move through the airport, I have to show my passport and a boarding pass, which is a QR code, at a number of regular spots. And that presumably is tracking me as I'm moving through the airport and ensuring that I don't go into places that I'm not supposed to go. I just wonder how how your face would be any different than what's already happening now. Aside from the fact that, I mean, your face isn't a QR code.
1: Yeah. Well, so a QR code is something that when you leave the airport, you crumple up your boarding pass and throw it out. Mm -hmm. Um, Your face is something that is irrevocably attached to you forever and ever. Um, So the barcode is a temporary identifier. Your face is a perpetual identifier.
0: And you don't and, believe, you, you, know, know, you don't buy that idea that that these the data that's stored the, the the scans of our face and what have you will just be held for thirty six hours that that's just the beginning of of a larger collection
1: of I of think that, that they data. have every intention of only storing yeah no I'm sure that for this program they have every intention of only storing it for thirty six hours um, the question is will that storage period be perpetual or will they change as that data is collected. Um, will there be a push to say, well, for frequent travelers, we should just store it so we don't have to collect it, or renew it every time? Mm. Um, for security purposes, and we all know that there are really significant and and genuine security concerns at airports. Uh, will there be a push to say, while well, we're storing that information for 36 hours, we'll let airport security run it over a watch list of people they're looking for, for example. Um, th- there's a real risk, again, of function creep with that technology with the technology and with the data, because it's going to potentially be very useful in more ways than just seeing if you are who you are to board a plane.
0: And perhaps not controlled just by us here in Canada. I mean, if you're traveling internationally, that data perhaps would be controlled by wherever, whatever country you happen to be in.
1: Absolutely. In the United States, for example, when they collect biometrics at the border of their own citizens, they store it for a limited period of time. For anyone who's a foreign national, it's stored for 75 years.
0: Hmm. What what sort of regulations would you want to see put in place by the federal government? John says this, to your point, is this is going to be as common as an escalator in five years. So if that's going to be happening, what are the regulations that need to be put in place to protect us?
1: Well, uh, we need rules and guardrails to make sure that if we decide that this technology should be used in these settings for these purposes, uh, that people have appropriate protections. That when a business says we are only going to collect it to match your face one-on-one and store it for 36 hours, um, that they have to abide by that promise. So we need to define biometric information specifically as sensitive and need of stronger protection in our privacy legislation. And we have a new privacy law on the table of parliament right now that doesn't do that, despite the fact that, you know, as your guest said, this technology is picking up steam. So we need the leg- our privacy legislation updated to define biometric as- information as sensitive. And then we need um, to get rid of something called legitimate business purposes exemptions in C27, which basically is a carve-out that says if businesses really, really think they need to use it, and they, they themselves can't think of adverse impacts to their customers that they should get to do that without knowledge or consent of their customers. And that's creating a huge gap in the new privacy law that's going to be really problematic for something like facial recognition that is so easy to do covertly.
0: Just before I and, let you go, let me ask you just a couple of other quick things. One is you said if we decide that we want this technology, do we have any say in this? I mean, is it inevitable? Do you think that this technology will be ubiquitous?
1: I think that this technology is definitely becoming more and more common. I think that we're past time for really critical public conversation about what settings is it appropriate, what places should be absolute zones, and how do we think that we need to have the right, protect? how can we put the right protections in place for those uses that we decide are socially beneficial, not just convenient, but socially beneficial, mm. just to make sure that we're not sort of sleepwalking into the kind of surveillance state that, you know, your your guest described as minority report. I don't think that in a free democracy, we want to live that way. Mm.
0: Do you think that we, do people care about this in some ways? I mean, we trade off our privacy for all sorts of things. And I just wonder whether convenience will trump out uh, the the concerns around privacy because people might not have to wait in line as long at an airport, which drives people around the bend uh, if that line goes on for too long.
1: Yeah. You know what? Strategically, airports are really great place to try and get us to accept this technology because anyone who has ever experienced, you know, stood in a really long line at an airport um, is going to see the appeal of this. And even people who are rigid about protecting their privacy in other contexts might, you know, want to slip a little bit if it gets them to their gate Mm. faster. But um, we do need to think seriously about what the risks are and what the consequences are. If these technologies are 98% accurate, which is one of you know many of the tools advertised that kind of success rate, when you've got 35 million people passing through an airport, you've got 700,000 people who are experiencing problems in moving through the airport or getting on their plane. And when we know that those people are more likely to be equity-seeking group, belonging to equity-seeking groups, that creates a social problem that we need to solve before this technology becomes ubiquitous.
0: The government has said in its, uh, the Ministry of Innovation has said in a statement that um, Canadians can be assured that we will never compromise on trust and safety for our digital privacy. You're flying, as I understand it, in the next few weeks through Vancouver? I am. Will you use the technology? Will you be tempted at all?
1: Um, As a privacy advocate, I will be tempted because it's better to understand what you want to be critical of? Fair enough. So yeah. I would be interested in testing out the system, uh, but would I be happy if it were if it were mandatory? If I didn't have that choice, absolutely not. I'd be very worried.
0: Be interested to hear your reaction after the flight. In the meantime, safe travels, and thank you very much, Brenda.
1: Thank you.
0: Brenda McPhail is director of the. Uh, Executive Education in Public Policy in Digital Society Program at McMaster University and also the founder of the Right to Your Face Coalition. Your thoughts on this? I mean, there are cameras everywhere in our world, it seems like right now. Is this the next step? Is it inevitable? Will we be using this technology as we use escalators? Are you fine with that? Or do you have concerns around your face being scanned and then perhaps being used as a form of identification as you make your way through the airport or beyond? You can email us. The Current at cbc.ca. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.